be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. So first of all, I want to thank those young people here and others. They came this weekend to help us clean up the grounds and things in order uh, for uh, the winter season. And of course, the great the face fast for Christmas, which is coming. And when you hear this gospel about Elijah, you know that the face to Philip is coming when we start fasting for this feast of the nativity of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. I thank you for coming and for taking care of the needs of the monastery. As you know, we are a small monastery, but we're growing. And we now have a candidate with us, Adorkas, as they call him in Greek, which someone to me to be proven. He has to be proven to become, to get his first uh, novitiate. Huh? And he's with us today. I don't want to embarrass him, but we're grateful to God for him. He seems to be pretty good. And we'll be watching him closely. And uh, his name is Samuel. So you'll be seeing us. So on November the 2nd, he'll receive the first part of the habit, which is the podriasnik. So among the monks, you know, we don't get the habit all at once. We get it piece by piece according to where we are in our, uh, our journey. And of course, the great habit is given to very holy monks. And uh, I don't think anybody ever looks forward to that because they only get one meal a day and they have to pray all day. So that has to be a really extremely holy monk. Uh, so, but he's gonna get his first investiture. And so pray for him. So he has six months to go before he can enter the uh, Rastafor stage. And the Rastafor stage, then it's, uh, he's tantric. In three years, then he becomes, uh, gets the great, scap the great scapular, not the second to the great scapular, and uh, it's life vows. So we pray that he perseveres and we hope we don't scandalize him too much uh, living with the here with the monks. But he seems a very nice fellow, and we're going to give him a chance. And I was away this week on retreat. I had a wonderful retreat, and you'll be hearing about it in all of my sermons because it affected me. Father David Anderson gave the retreat. He's one of the Byzantine chaplain at Wyoming Catholic College which is one of the few colleges that really have a Byzantine Catholic chaplain. And he gave us wonderful talks, and he said, he, <laughs> but he studied all his life, get the knowledge he has, and he just knows the scriptures and the fathers of the church and the liturgy, and he knows how to integrate it all, and he gave us a wonderful retreat, so I'm grateful to him. And I came home, everybody was in order, and these people were here working. I thank them very much. My text for this morning, for this liturgy, is if even one should rise from the dead, they will not believe. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
That's sort of a sad text when, when Jesus Christ is talking about himself. And in the remarks, they say, well, bring Moses back or bring Elijah, bring somebody back. And Jesus said, well, if they, even if they could do that, he said, you still would not believe because he was the very son of God. And they had, he had a tough time. And eventually, you know, they would plot and put him to death. But he went to death freely for us. So at the retreat this week, uh, they were stressing with the priest that, you know, we have to work out our salvation. And it's a journey, isn't it? But we have already been saved. Christ is risen from the dead. He's enthroned in glory. And therefore, we participate in his life all, already. But sometimes we think we have to merit heaven by this journey. Well, there's some truth to that. It's not all, you know, but it's not all up to us. And uh, we have to live an ascetical life. And I find, and I think Father um, Anderson agreed with me, I find that our people, especially influenced by our, the large church around us, have been and the society around us have lost their sense of asceticism. But in our language, in our Slav language, we always called our people the pobožni. That meant those people who lived for God. That's our heritage from our grandparents and those who came from Europe and brought the Greek Catholic Church with them. And they did not come here to be um, you know, Americans or to, they didn't come here to be Democrats or anything like that, or for freedom. They had freedom in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The emperor is very good, Franz Joseph. And of course, the last emperor has been beatified now, and I have his icon here in the uh, monastery. I'm fi fixing it up, and I'm going to put it in our small, temp our small uh, indoor chapel. Uh, you have to know who you are. And that means you should learn your history, where your Christianity comes from. And we have a glorious history. Remember, we were first converted from Antioch long before Rome or any place. You know, Peter went to Antioch first. That's where we were converted from those, from Antioch to Constantinople. Constantinople up to the Carpathian Mountains of Thessalonica by Cyril Methodus. We were, the first, we were actually the first groups of Slavs to be converted. And we preserved our faith all these years, not to come to America to lose it, but to share it with others. So you know, all these people talking about crazy things about being saved, you have been saved. And you're baptized and you're chrismated. And you eat the body and blood of the Lord, the Holy Eucharist, which is the food for the heavenly journey. And Jesus Christ is truly present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So he said, well, what will it be like when we go to heaven? Will it be just more of the same? Some people think that. It will not be more of the same. 
the Apostle Paul says we will move from glory to glory. It also says in Scripture there will be many mansions, and you can move through these mansions. You will have a glorious time in heaven. But heaven begins here on earth by the way we pray and practice our faith and do God's will always. God's will is holy. It perfects us. Now, the problem, one of the great problems around us is the understanding of Scripture. The New Testament is a commentary on the Old Testament. And so when you preach, the priest preaches, he always brings up these Old Testament figures and texts. And if you look at the footnotes in your Bible, he'll tell you where those texts came from in the Bible. Uh, usually prophet, prophet Elijah, he's a very big one, but all of them are big. So when you read your Bible, you should get a good commentary, and I'll look around to find out what that would be so you get a decent commentary. Most of these commentaries are sad. Most of the translations are sad. This morning I was telling the few people that came to Matins, there's three words for love in that Gospel of John. But in Greek, there's only two words used there. One is agape, and the other was philos, which is agape is self-fulfilling love from God, and philos is brotherly love. But the Gospel doesn't read that way. So I just mention it to them, because I don't know how familiar they are with Greek anyway. And certainly they don't know any, hardly any, know any Slavonic to understand that. But anyway, we are in a particular pickle, in a situation. And so we're influenced by all these people around us who are ignorant of Scripture. But they tell us they know the Scriptures. No one knows the Scriptures like the liturgy. And our commentation on the liturgy is, is the canons at Matins, which is our teacher. And the lay people very rarely do they hear these things. We, the monks in the monastery, we hear them every day. But the Matin service is two, year, uh, two hours long. And right now, at this time of year, everything's getting a little bit longer because it's winter. And they figure we should, if we don't have more time to work on the land or do everything, we should have more time to pray. So the Father's made our services longer, uh, especially at this time of year, usually the Psalter, but even some of the readings. And, and so anyway, I think for we Byzantine Catholics, it's tough for us to realize the meaning of Scripture, if we don't see, listen to Matins, it's tough for us if we don't have good spiritual reading. So this was discussed at the priest retreat. And I, I really uh, thought about it, listening to the lectures. And, but every, I talked about the early church you know, the Church of the Apostles and the Early Fathers, Athanasius, Dionysius, the Areopagite, all these people, you don't even know their names. They're the founders of the Church. Constantine the Great, when he made Christianity the religion of the Empire in 13, 313, it grew like a garden. It grew everywhere. 
people became pure. What did the early Christians do? I'll tell you what they did. Now, don't be shocked. They went to church twice a day. Morning and evening, it says that in the Acts of the Apostles. They celebrated the Eucharist on Sunday and later feast days. If they did not uh, go to church early, early in the morning and evening, they uh, prayed those prayers at home. And the mid-afternoon prayers, which are very important, most Catholics don't even know what the mid-afternoon prayers are. So they lived a very prayerful life, and they were under persecution. Same time, some of these emperors, like Julian the Apostate, he really did not like the Christians. And he's tried to kill us off, you know. Somehow, they haven't been able to kill us off yet. I was thinking about Slovakia, Karpatoros, where my grandparents came from, and some of your relatives came from. I don't know how they survived. So the Pope recently was in Slovakia, in Preshov. My family came from that area. So did the Martiniks come from that area. And uh, I saw him sitting there. He didn't get it in the newspaper right because he did not concelebrate. He presided and gave the blessings that a bishop would give. But the people, newspaper, they never get things right anyway. But anyway, I saw him. I was remarkable because for that liturgy in Prashov, there were 25,000 Byzantine Catholics. It's a wonder that many survived. Two World Wars and the Germans and the Soviets and everything, it's a miracle that they survived. But they're tenacious. And they know their tradition. And well did they learn it during the persecution. They learn it at home. You can have fancy schools and everything, and you can send your children to those schools, and maybe they'll learn the religion. I sort of doubt it. I think I learned my religion from my grandparents because they practiced it. They ate certain foods for different holidays. They kept the fast. They were in church. Sometimes they'd go to mountains and liturgy Sunday morning. They'd be there every feast day. And they had the molebans, the prayers, and things like that because they didn't have a world that which promised them paradise on earth. They didn't have penicillin. They didn't have all these medications. People got sick and they died. They, half the time, they didn't even know what they were dying of. But they had faith. They would go to God. So if you go to Europe, the most popular service in Europe, in Eastern Europe, is the Panahita, which is for the dead. And when the feast days come, and the special days for the dead, especially, uh, you know, the All Souls Saturdays, and we have things like that. We pray for the dead especially. Uh, you see the cemeteries are filled and those people are praying for their deceased relatives. I think sometimes we just forget our deceased relatives. Not good. They suffered before us. 
Now, what about the people in the Bible? Are we the children of Abraham? God said that the children of Abraham would be like the stars of the sky. And of course, where does that take place? In the heavenly kingdom, if we all get there. And we shine in the beauty of the life of God that is in us. And we have this spiritual teaching in the Eastern Church about the divine energies of God. His creative energies and the divine energies. And they're part of his interior life. And so God comes and dwells in us through those divine energies if we don't push him away. And the Holy Spirit is very important in that. So the Holy Spirit, it says in Corinthians, he prays in us when we can't pray for ourselves. He's still there. He's with us. So we say in Slavonic, Znami Bok, God is with us. Of all the people on the earth, the Slavs have the most profound spirituality and a deep, deep commitment to God and life and to the family. So what's happened to us in America is they've broken the family and they want to break our religion. So Horace Mann, who founded the public school system in New York, said, let's break all these people, get them away from their superstition. They were trying to, sell, to separate us from our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That cannot be done. That's to not live life at all is to be dead if you do not live with God. That's what the gospel's about today. So this poor guy, he's suffering somewhere in the underworld. Doesn't say explicitly. Well, if I got five brothers, if we could only do something to warn them. Well, send Moses, send Elijah, send uh, Abraham. If he said the Lord says, if Abraham comes in heaven and talks to them, they wouldn't believe him. You have to believe what's in your heart. God dwells in your heart. Where does he dwell in your heart? And you must have a sanctified heart. That's why we teach you the prayer of the heart. And you must spend each day as it were like a retreat day saying your morning and evening prayers. And forget about the world. You don't need all that junk. All that You need your family, you need prayer, and you need the sacraments, you need your church. These talks were for priests. I think they could apply to everyone, everyone in the Catholic Church. Somehow, we have inherited, my, in my generation, I wasn't raised that way, but a religion of minimalism. Oh, you do the minimal thing, you'll get to heaven. That's not true. Heaven begins on earth the way you live your life and you're sanctified by the sacred liturgy. People nowadays, you know, they have no time for liturgy. They have no time for personal prayer. 
They do not do spiritual reading. They don't know the scriptures. Oh, they read the Bible once. A big deal. They don't know the fathers. They don't know the roots of Catholicism. They didn't even know where they came from. Well, what, what are you? Well, I'm here. Well, you had a mother and father. You had grandparents. You had people. And you wouldn't be here without them. When you're born into this world, you're helpless. If they don't take care of you, you're gone, not surviving. We have to teach our children that, too. They're just not like mushrooms from under a rock or a tree. They've been tended to. But the thing we do not tend well to is their immortal soul. And I was in Passaic giving the priest retreat. I talked about my grandparents, and they loved it, because they could remember their grandparents. Most of you don't know your grandparents, or they're not of our faith. They think we're some kind of different church. Remember, we're the oldest rite in the church. We came out of Antioch. From Jerusalem to Antioch, Constantinople, and in our case, 8633 to Slovakia, what Slovak used to be the Austrian Empire. And we know who we are. And we know our history, we know our spirituality, and we know the scriptures very well. Because our liturgy comments constantly on those scriptures, if we pay attention. But we're not like the early church. We're not there every morning. Now, they do go. People go uh, for, like, mass, they call it, and they receive communion. Well, in the early church, mass was not celebrated every day. The prayers were celebrated. Did they know those prayers? No. The monks say that, or priests say it in the back room or something. No, no. Everybody said those prayers. Everybody knew the Psalter. To be a monk in the early church in Egypt, and you know, you had the Psalter uh, memorized. And I listened to my young monks, some of them, and they're getting the Psalter memorized. Theodore is doing a pretty good job. They didn't have books. They knew thing, everything by heart, and they sang it. So now we get all these crazy pew books and we buy them and spend all this money. I don't remember such books when I was a child. And they could sing liturgy in five-part harmony in church. They learned that in the old country. So I was talking with one of the priests, Father John. He's leaving to go back to Kapatarus. He's, he's old, he's, you know, up there. Maybe he's going there to die. I don't know. He wants to be in a village, a village filled with Greek Catholics, Byzantine Catholics. He wants to be in a church that's praying every day. One of the great motives for my, after my 40-some years, 43 years as a pastor, to start a monastery, because I would have people to pray with me every day, the community. We are a community of prayer. We are a community of sanctity. We are a community that's fed by God on his body and blood 
And out of that body and blood comes the divine energies, which proceeds from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of his internal life. And what God is by nature, we are by participation. In the Bible it says, you shall be partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter, first chapter. It also encourages you to pray daily. You have to feel God's presence. You have to suffer for it. You have to do penance. You can't get to heaven without mounting the cross. Life is not without pain. We are fallen people. It will be without pain in the world to come. But not if we think that we're here for recreation. I'm on the plane, you know. All these people have these iPhones and everything like that. And that's all they do. They sit there like this. They are slaves. They're not thinking about God or anything good. They're not reading a decent book. They're like this. Well, maybe they got a book on there. It's possible. They're like this. They're nervous. They want to be entertained all the time. Are they worrying about God and their eternal destiny? I doubt it. I really doubt it. I, I doubt. I doubt many are going to get to heaven. Because we're not intense in our spiritual observance. If you come from an observant family and they take you, take, you reach you with all the holidays, they teach you the scriptures and they pray with you, and they know their obligations to pray for their neighbor. See, if you love God, you can't help but love your neighbor. Most of the neighbors around here, they're poor souls. They're really poor souls. And they suffer terribly. Some of them don't go to any church. Some of them are different kinds of American religions. They don't have sacramental grace. It's one of the right to me. I hope that monastery being here in no priest land USA, that maybe the grace that pours out of the monastery will help these people. And even our own Catholic people. They don't have time for God. Tell the story a couple weeks ago about this was a little Russian church and this monk, young monk, the older monk was trying to teach him. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. So he said to him, what's wrong with the church? So the priest takes him into the church, the Serkev, a church like ours, the Eastern Church, Russian Orthodox, maybe. And he, they were, I, I can speak a little Russian, so I, I like these Russian films. So anyway, they go in there and he said, listen. So they listened, they heard this buzz of prayer. When you pray, say the words with your lips. Say the words. Be attentive to what you're saying. Do not be distracted. God's worth your attention. And he's listening. 
So anyway, an angel came to them. Anyoboji, a visitor from God. And uh, he let the, their, the priestess left him in the church to pray. And so this is buzz, this church is buzzing with the people. And the angel says, let's see how much of this prayer gets to heaven. So he took him to a vision of heaven. And a prayer in heaven was a whisper. Darling, hear it. He says, well, the prayer in the church was loud. And listen, whisper here. He says, what were they praying for? Oh, they were praying for themselves. Were they praying for the glory of God? No, very few. The whisper was the glory of God that could get to heaven and praying for yourself, you know. You know, if you live or die, God's going to take care of you. You are baptized. You have the life of Christ in you. You're a child of God. You're chrismated. You have the royal gifts, the priestly gifts of the people. What were they given to you for? For prayer. To make you a priestly people to pray. And when you sin because of your passions, God forgives you. We have confession. But he forgives you on the grounds that you're making an effort to improve your life and your prayer life. I was in Seattle and I had a young man in his 30s and he was dying. He came to our church. He was, he spent a lot of time with me. I was trying to explain to him just what the Byzantine Catholic Church was. He'd come one afternoon, you know, on the week and we would hear that. I'd talk to him. But he got cancer, testicular cancer, which is pretty rough. It just makes a man feel terrible, and probably he's not going to live. Sad. It's just 30. So anyway, um, I went to the hospital and seen him a few times and brought him the holy mysteries, the body and blood of Jesus, anointed him, prayed for him. The last day I was there, I gave him the sacrament. He said, Father, I want to thank you for the care the Byzantine Catholic Church has given me. Now I always thought I was not giving enough care to people, but I guess he appreciated it. Because, you know, it's hard to go to hospitals. People are dying. And I, when I was in the military, I saw a lot of people die. Young people. They shouldn't be dying. These wars are terrible. But I'm, I'm a retired colonel. I know we have to protect our soil or somebody will take it away from us. I know that. I'm a hawk, I guess. But it's very hard to deal with these young people. 
In fact, I think I've buried more young people than older people. He says to me, I thank you for taking care of us. I felt embarrassed because I always can improve the way I'm taking care of people, I think. And uh, I've been just with Bishop Kurt, and he used to be a uh, pastor in Portland. I founded that church there years ago. And uh, he had so much compassion towards his people. And when the Holy See made him a bishop, they mentioned it in the bull that he had so much compassion for his people. We have to have compassion for each other. Your neighbor you see today may be dead tomorrow. He may die without the Blessed Sacrament, which is the guarantee to get to heaven. But this man did not die without the Blessed Sacrament. It's the grace of God. By two o'clock in the afternoon, he was dead. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, your life is preaching the gospel. By your teaching it to your own family, so they can catch the religion. It can't be an intellectual argument. It's got to be in the heart. And they see you practicing the faith and praying, they're going to get it. My grandparents' home, my parents were pretty much like Americans, you know. They went to church and everything like that, and they fought with each other and all that stuff, you know. Don't fight with each other, it's a waste of time. Be patient, things change. But anyway, my, I told the story, maybe I told you before, but I told at the retreat, they got a kick out of it. So in the summertime, I often spent with my parents, uh, my grandparents, my Slav grandparents, because my parents were working and they didn't want me at home alone and things like that, and they didn't trust anybody anyway. You can't trust anybody with your children. They're your treasures, you know. God's gonna ask you, dear parents, what did you do with the children I gave you? Well, anyway, they lived a very disciplined life. There was no particular interest in entertainment. Everything was in the home. All the food was really good. There was a big garden. There was a lot of prayer. And uh, my grandmother, I went to Alice, she's a wise guy, you know, kids are. I walk in the house, she's got a big big, big container there, she's making bread. And I see her lips were going and she's praying. I would be a wise guy, I ask her, what are you doing? She said, I'm praying. I said, well, you're making bread. She said, I'm praying that Jesus rose from the dead and that the bread will rise so we have good bread. Everything, everything they did, they incorporated their faith in. So I would spend the summers with them. They were very good to me in their own way. I thought I was sadly abused because I wasn't allowed to do other things, especially when I was a teenager that other children would do. And they would watch. And they said, 
they'd say to me, I want this girl would knock on the door and I wanted to go play and this stuff. She says, my grandmother said, Tak Shayena. She says, she's a nut. Stay in the house. You're not going anywhere. Well, we obeyed in those days. Or I'd pout, you know. So anyway, in the summertime, we had a big garden. And if the price is going like they are now in the store, you're going to have to have big gardens too. Anyway, um, in the evening, Zedo would come from the factory at 4.30. He'd have, we'd have dinner at 4.30, and we weren't allowed to talk to, at the table, say the prayer, eat your meal, because we had to go work in the garden. We'd work in the garden until it was sort of dark and dusk. And uh, then uh, we'd go in the house, and we'd wash up. At 10 o'clock, we had prayers. So anyway, we had prayers, and when I got older, I would kneel down and say my prayers. And my Baba, she'd say to me, are you saying your prayers? I says, I'm saying my prayers. She said, well, I can't hear you praying. She says, if I can't hear you praying, I don't think God can hear you either. Say those prayers up loud. So I had to say my prayers. So then one night I said, we got in from the garden, I said, well, can we have recreation? She said, you just had your recreation. You worked in the garden. Hmm, what a lesson. Learned a lot from them. Didn't always like it. Because America was around me with all these things, all this junk that you waste your money on. So I was much better off in the garden, although I didn't like it. What did I learn from those people? The center of their heart was their church. And they taught me that. So what did I do? I ruined everybody's life. I became a priest. I've loved it. Where did I get that desire? Eight years old, I already knew. Don't waste your time on garbage, on entertainment, on sports. Waste your time on God. And he will really love you. And your salvation is already now. He's already died and gone to heaven, and he's waiting for you. And the Holy Theotokos is waiting for you. And your great-grandparents are waiting for you. They would like to see you there. And wouldn't you like to know them? It took generations of people to make you. And most of them, at least in all my history, were eight, converted in 863 by Cyril Methodius. And they had to take the religion serious because everybody was dying anyway. You're not going to miss that. And this Holy Spirit is in you. And when you cannot pray, he prays for you. Join him in the prayer. Listen to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Listen to these holy lives. Listen to these holy mystics to climb the mountain to love the Lord. Nothing you do in life is important unless you, if you don't save your soul, if you don't get to heaven. You'll be no, you know, no excuses made.
because God can see through you. And he says to himself, what happened to this one I loved? Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.